0: Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 84. Listen now for God's word for us today. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts! My King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, as they go through the valley of Abakah, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayers, give ear, O God of Jacob, Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, Happy is everyone who trusts in you. Now you remember that the book of Ephesians has six chapters. first three chapters focus on what God has done. And the last three chapters focus on how we are to respond to what God has done. So listen now for God's word for us in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, starting at the tenth verse. Finally, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep silent, keep alert. Always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. O Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Where are you going? And what are you going to wear? Have you ever been on a pilgrimage? Well, you know, a pilgrimage is is a journey, especially a journey to a shrine or a sacred place. Luke's gospel tells us that Mary and Joseph made a pilgrimage annually. It says, now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. It says that just before, you know, that time they left him accidentally back in Jerusalem in the 14th century Geoffrey Chaucer wrote Canterbury Tales there were 24 short stories from a group on pilgrimage to the shrine of Thomas Becket in Canterbury in England this pilgrimage brought together people of many walks of life a knight a prioress a monk a merchant a man of law a Franklin a scholarly clerk a miller a reeve that's a carpenter a partner, a wife of Bath, and many others. Well, then, later on, the 17th century, John Bunyan wrote his book, The Pilgrim's Progress, an epic adventure of a man named Christian who leaves his home in the city of destruction and begins a lifelong quest to the celestial city. Well, people still go on pilgrimages, This summer, Betty Sayer and I followed a Facebook friend named Neil Presser. He was head of the Presbyterian Church a few years ago, and while he was traveling the country as head of the church and speaking all kinds, he'd go back to his hotel room at night and wrote a, a devotion each night on the Heidelberg Catechism and wrote this little book called Our Only Comfort. It's a wonderful book. Well, Neil and his son Daniel went on this 500-mile, four-week walk. And they started at St. Jean-Pied-Port at the uh, foot of the Pyrenees Mountains, and they went to the Cathedral Santiago de Compostela. I do not speak Spanish, so i you know. This Camino, which means path, this Camino is also called the Way of St. James. Well, I know... You've got at least two questions. Number one is, what's so special about that particular destination? Well, after Jerusalem and Rome, after Jerusalem and Rome, that cathedral is the third. It's the third most popular pilgrimage destination for Christians. Now, another friend who made that 500-mile walk and then wrote a book about it said that in 2015 there were 200,000 people walking that same 500 mile path. That's long enough to be socially distanced, right? <laughs> but why walk to that particular church? Well, tradition has it that that's where the remains of St. James are. James was the patron saint of Spain. and There's a little box supposed to be some of his remains. Well, you remember James, he was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. You remember he and his brother John were the sons of Zebedee. And first chapter of Mark tells us that Jesus saw these two brothers in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat. And that may be where we get the expression high and dry because they just left. Well, I'm thinking your second question. Your second question is, how much weight did my friend and his son lose walking 500 miles in a month? And I can report the son lost 20 pounds, and the dad lost 22. And if you want to look, Neil, S A, you can see he did about 60 or 70 pictures per day on this month-long walk. I learned more about Spain in this summer than I've ever known. Well, maybe your family has its own version of a pilgrimage. Mine does. Every year, except last year in the pandemic, I've gone to a special place in the mountains of North Carolina, near Asheville. Montreat, North Carolina, is the Presbyterian Conference Center. And when I was a little boy in South Georgia at the beginning of the school year, some little girl, it always was a little girl, was, shout out all the Baptists, raise your hand. And most of the class would probably raise their hands. And then some other child would say, all oh, the Methodists, raise your hand. And what I would learn is about two-thirds of my classmates were some sort of Baptist. There were a lot of varieties in Georgia. And almost a third were Methodists, and there were a few others of the rest of us. But I was the one little lonesome Presbyterian in the class. But when I went up to Montreat every summer, I'd go to church in Anderson Auditorium. It's this big stone building with huge wonders, and the stones have mica that just sparkles, and the roof is like a huge umbrella with a center column and spokes going out. I never did worry that somebody was going to lower it, but it was a a wonderful place to be because it would fill up with thousands of people and all of them knew how to say debts and debtors when they did do the Lord's Prayer, and they could all spell Presbyterian and predestination. Now, I didn't say they could define it, but they could spell it. <laughs> and there we would hear marvelous preachers, like one guy who lived there in Montreat named Billy Graham. Well, that wasn't the only reason that our annual pilgrimage to Montreat was special. There were mountains to climb and clubs for kids where I learned how to roller skate and make... Lanyards and putt putt and wood burn and hammer things and copper and all that kind of stuff. And there was a lake, Lake Susan, where you could swim in the coldest water you ever felt. Oh, what a blessing it was to escape the summer heat in South Georgia, where air conditioning is not invented yet, I think. <laughs> we look forward to coming to North Carolina every year, like the writer of Psalm 84 look forward to coming to the temple so some of our pilgrimages are places we've been to and some are return or some are where we've never been and some are returns to special places so where was he going and what was he singing about well he's probably on a pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem the center of Judaism the place that let pilgrims feel that they came closest to the presence of Almighty God. This was a happy journey. And the psalmist sang a happy song complete with three beatitudes. When we hear about beatitudes, we usually think about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. You know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and so on. But the Old Testament has beatitudes too. And in this psalm, there are three of them. Happy are those who live in your house. That's The fourth verse and the next verse. Happy are those whose strength is in you. And the third beatitude in Psalm 84 is the last verse. Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. These three beatitudes proclaim that people who've chosen the way of life, chosen the good, live their lives centered in, ordered by the kingdom of God. These people are blessed. They're happy. These beatitudes or blessings say that those who praise God, those who travel, who put in the effort to be close to God, those whose lives show trust in God, these people are blessed. They're happy. Now, the temple in those days and the church in our time, these are visible symbols, symbolic signs of the presence of the invisible God. As one word of caution regarding the destination of pilgrimages. Destinations might be special, but they're not magical. They're not holy in that sense. When the apostle Paul preached in Athens, he declared that God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands. We can't do anything to limit or contain God. Earlier I said a pilgrimage is a journey, especially a journey to a sacred place. But if you look it up in Webster, you'll see they have a second definition too. A pilgrimage, they say, is the course of life on earth. That is the kind of, that's the kind of pilgrimage John the Bunyan described in that Pilgrim's Progress, which is the most famous Christian allegory still in print. Pilgrim's Progress is a symbolic vision of the good man's pilgrimage through life. You and I, we're all on a pilgrimage, but not a pilgrimage to a place. We're on life's pilgrimage to be with God. Our journey is from birth to life everlasting. So what do you wear on this journey, this pilgrimage? The Apostle Paul suggests a particular outfit, truth, righteousness, Proclamation of the gospel of peace, faith, confidence of salvation, the spirit and prayer. He uses military armor metaphors to describe what we're to put on. But this is is not to encourage us to be aggressive. These are all defensive things we're putting on. Paul listed six items we're to wear and, and we're told to wear all six he says we're to put on the whole armor of god so that we can withstand the wiles of the devil now paul told us not just once but twice first what we just read was verse 11 and two verses later he says we need to take up the whole armor of god so that we can withstand the evil day to be sure we put on all six let's do a quick review The belt of truth. Truth has taken a beating in recent years. People have a hard time believing in science. People have a hard time figuring out who to believe, what to believe. But the belt of truth. Second, the breastplate of righteousness. And then third is shoes for your feet, whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Make sure you take on that because you can look around at the ladies and some of the guys here in church and you'll see... They'll tell you real quick, shoes make the outfit, don't they? (laughs) Fourth, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now we've got some people who have bows and arrows. I don't think y'all shot any flaming arrows, but you'd need something to protect against those. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is God's holy word. And just one more thing. It's not named as a piece of armor, but it's good advice. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Every prayer and supplication. The three Beatitudes in Psalm 84 tell us about God's blessing. And our passage from Ephesians tells us about what we need to wear for our life's journey. So let me ask you, where are you going? And what are you going to wear? Thanks be to God.